Is telepathy real? Greeting, mortals. I'm your host, Simon. Welcome back to the Library of Noses. Today, I will be exploring the topic of telepathy. Now, in a way, I am already using telepathy. If your internal lexicon matches mine, then my thoughts can become yours through a series of small mouth movements. That might not have been the kind of telepathy you were expecting, but I'm sure this is a new way of thinking for some of you. Now, if you want to explore the typical form of telepathy that we are familiar with, I will not disappoint. Rupert Sheldrake is a researcher that has explored the hidden connection our minds seems to share with each other. In his research on telepathy in animals, which is summarized in his book, Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home, and also published in detail in a series of papers, the research has led Rupert to see telepathy as a normal rather than a paranormal phenomenon, as a natural aspect of communication between members of animal social groups. He sees psychic phenomena as an extension of biology, which is why he, as a biologist, is interested in them. Sheldrake thinks that animal telepathy is a consequence of the way that animal groups are organized but what Rupert calls, quote, morphic fields. His research seems to suggest that telepathy depends on the bonds between members of a group. For example, when a dog is strongly bonded to its owner, this bond persists even when the owner is far away. And he thinks this is the basics of telepathic communication. He sees telepathy as a normal, not a paranormal, means of communication between members of animal groups. For example, many dogs know when their owners are coming home and start waiting for them by a door or a window. His experiments show that dogs still even no, even when people set off at times randomly chosen by the experimenter and traveled in unfamiliar vehicles. Skeptics argue that the dogs were simply hearing the vehicle arrive due to their great hearing, but research has shown the same effect did occur when the owner was outside of any possible range of hearing. Peculiarly enough, the dogs actually started getting excited when the owners simply made the mental decision to go home. The same principles apply to human telepathy. He has investigated little explored aspects of human telepathy, such as telepathy between mothers and babies. Telephone telepathy, thinking of someone who soon afterwards calls, and 
email telepathy. Rupert thinks that telepathy has evolved, like other biological abilities, subject to natural selection. This research is summarized in his book, The Sense of Being Stared At and Other Aspects of the Extended Mind. Hutchinson, London, 2003, Crown, New York, 2003. Rupert Sheldrake, in his book Morphic Resonance, brings forward an example of an experiment carried out at Horward in the 1920s by William McDougall involving rats crossing gangways. Quote, the experimental animals were white rats of the Wistor strain that had been carefully inbred under laboratory conditions for many generations. Their task was to learn to escape from a specially constructed tank of water by swimming to one of the two gangways that led out of the water. The quote, wrong gangway was brightly illuminated while the right gangway was not. If the rat left by the illuminated gangway, it received an electric shock. The two gangways were illuminated alternately, one on one occasion, the other on the next. The numbers of errors made by a rat before it learned to lead the tank by the non-illuminated gammon was a measure of its rate of learning. Some of the rats required as many as 330 immersions, involving approximately half that number of shocks before they learned to avoid the bright gangway. The process of learning was in all cases one which suddenly reached a critical point. For a long time, the animal would show clear evidence of aversion for the bright gangway, frequently hesitating before it turning back from it, or taking it with a desperate rush, not having grasped the simple relation of constant correlation between bright light and shock. He would continue to take the bright drought as often or nearly as often as the other. Then, at last, would come a point in his training at which he would, if he found himself facing the bright light, definitely and decisively turn about, seek the other passage, and quietly climb out of the dim gangway. After attaining this point, no animal made the error again of taking the bright gangway or only in very rare instances. In each generation, the rats from which the next generation were to be bred were selected at random before their rate of learning was measured. Although mating took place only after they were tested, this procedure was adopted to avoid any possible conscious or unconscious selection in favor of quicker learning rats. This experiment was continued for 32 generations and 
took 15 years to complete. In accordance with the Lamarckian theory, there was a more tendency for us in successive generations to learn more quickly. This is indicated by the average number of errors made by the rats in the first eight generations, which was over 56, compared with 49, 29, and 20 in the second, third, and fourth groups of each generations, respectively. The difference was apparent not only in the quantitative results, but also in the actual behavior of the rats, which became more cautious and tentative in later generations. Rupert Sheldrake, Morphic Resonance, The Nature of Formative Causation, 1981. This seems to imply that the rats learn collectively. The experiment had its critics, so further research was done at different schools. The peculiar thing is that using different rats, the baseline results for the rats were the improved ones from the previous experiments at Harvard. Very strange indeed. I will leave the source in the description. Rupert Sheldrake also brings up the example of birds flying together in a flock. When the group decides to turn, all the birds do it at the drop of a pen. He brings up the fact that the individual bird does not have time to analyze their data through their neural cortex and then make the decision to turn. This would suggest a kind of collective overmind within the flock. Rupert refers to this phenomenon as a morphic resonance field. Rupert has also explored the innate sense we have of knowing when we are being stared at. He brings up an interesting example of, I believe it was a SAS recruits being taught not to look at someone's back when sneaking up on them. For them, they are apt to turn around and shoot you. A human example of collective learning would be the Flynn effect. The Flynn effect is the tendency of scores of IQ tests to go up every year. Now, this seems to support the idea of collective knowledge brought to us by both conscious and unconscious means making up the human experience as we know it. A kind of collective overmind that all humans share Terence McKenna, who was a dear friend of Rupert Sheldrake, had a wonderful phrase to punctuate this. Things have to go through the formality of actually occurring. So, what do you think, dear listener? Do we all share a hidden connection?
Thank you for listening. See you next time, mortal. Remember to hit that bell button to stay notified. Subscribe for more. Give it a like if you enjoyed it. And please feel free to share it. If you want to support my work, you can find me on Patreon at Library of Gnosis. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and BitChute at Library of Gnosis. The audio versions of my broadcasts are available on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast at Library of Gnosis. Music is produced by Coda from Coded.music.